0: Morena. So I'm Warren, if you haven't met me before, and it's my uh, privilege to welcome and invite Dave up. Uh, Okay, we just, uh, a couple of questions to start with, um, just to learn a little bit more about Dave and this vineyard movement that we're part of. So first question is, tell tell us something about how it started. How did the movement start?
1: Uh, The vineyard movement started in uh, Anaheim, California. There's a guy called John Wimber. Has anyone heard of John Wimber before? A few people have. John Wimber was uh, with a band uh, called the Righteous Brothers. Who's old enough to remember the Righteous Brothers? Okay, John John Wimber was uh, the manager of the Righteous Brothers, and uh, he was quite profoundly saved. And um, when he came along to a church, a traditional church, he just found that he didn't fit in, and um, and also he was so profoundly. Um, changed by God. He wanted to bring all his um, Las Vegas musicians with him, and they just didn't fit into church. And so they eventually started a new church that was a bit more relaxed and a bit more designed um, for people who could, who could just come as they are, people uh, who hadn't been brought up in the church culture, but very focused on the Holy Spirit as well, um, Holy Spirit changing people's lives.
0: Nice. And could you tell us a little bit about how the, the movement came to Aotearoa? Sure.
1: Um, So John Wimber um, came to lots of different countries, came to New Zealand in the 1980s, I think first of all came in 1986, and there were a lot of people that were massively impacted by that, and one of them was a guy called uh, Lloyd Rankin, Lloyd and Vicky Rankin. They were Baptist pastors at the time, and um, their hearts were so changed that they wanted to become like a vineyard church. So they weren't allowed to become vineyard churches, so they became what was called harvest churches. They started a whole group that was just—it was basically a vineyard church, but just under a different name. And um, they established a whole lot throughout New Zealand. And then I think it was in 1997 they met with John Wimber, and John said, um, "They said, hey, we 'Hey, we—you're illicit children. Uh, you know, would you allow us to become your legitimate children?'" And so he welcomed them into the Vineyard Movement. And so I think it was about 1997 that we originally became a Vineyard Movement. And we personally were Baptist youth pastors, and uh, God touched us in a powerful way. And then we planted a church into the Vineyard Movement in um, 1999.
0: Nice, brilliant. And so Vineyard Otero, you and Lizzie are the national leaders. Yes. And what would you say are like our key values or visions?
1: Um, well, we love to be led by the Holy Spirit. That's a very powerful one. We we just really love worship. Uh, we love um, a come as you are type of church, so that everybody's welcome to come, and it's sort of more relaxed and informal in style, but uh, powerful in the things of the Holy Spirit. I guess um, we. We love young people. We love everybody, of course, but we really love bringing young people in and getting young people involved because we see that there's a whole generation of young people that are being lost. So young people, young families, um, we, we um, try to have services that will be great for them and older people who come, who are um, strong in the faith and that sort of thing can come around and, and help to minister to people who are coming in and receiving faith for the first time.
0: Thank you. Let's pray together, eh? Cool, thank you. Father, uh, we thank you for Dave. Thank you for this man, the journey that you've taken him on. Father, the journey that you've taken um, our church throughout this country through the years uh, and internationally. And this morning, Father, as Dave comes with the things that you've laid on his heart, Father, the things that you've captured him with, Um, Father, may you speak to us. Father, may you capture our hearts through your word, through your truth, by your spirit. Capture us, Lord. Change us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Well, kia ora. It's so good to be with you, and uh, just want to say how much we love Carl and Char. Uh They are just awesome people, since we've got to know them. We have a, a weekly um, pastors gathering on Zoom, and they are about the only ones that you can guarantee will always be there. They're very, very committed. They always make great contributions. Uh, Lizzie and I love them. We actually came up a couple of years ago at Christmas and had a lovely uh, evening out at a restaurant with them and their beautiful family. So, um, you guys have been a vineyard for quite a long time, but it's sort of just the, 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 the wording's all changing. So, it's, uh, I guess, in some ways, it's all very official now, which is great. So, welcome on board. Um, I just, when I was praying about you guys, uh, I just really got a sense that I wanted to speak about the father heart of God today. This is uh, a topic that's really um, touched deep into my heart, especially when I became part of the vineyard. Um, I guess I had an incredible encounter with God uh, when I was about 20, and uh, the thing that happened to me when the Holy Spirit came upon me, I just realized uh, that God was my father and uh, that he just loved me so so deeply. And I guess as I've got older um, and I've become a dad and now I've become a granddad, the whole thing of fatherhood um, reaches deeper into my heart. So this is my whanau here, my wife Lizzie, who unfortunately couldn't come, and my children and a couple of my grandchildren. Actually, the next photo shows all the grandchildren. There they are. Marley, and Honey May and Thea are our little grandchildren. And, you know, there is nothing that I love more than being a granddad and a dad. I just love that. It's just, it gives me great joy. Somebody said to me the other day, you know, what are you looking forward to most in the future? And I think they were coming out with what are my great big ambitions. I said, just spending more time with my grandkids and my kids. It's what I really look forward to. But, you know, one of the things that it has done for me is realized the incredible heart that our Father in, in heaven has for us. You know, I think he's created parenthood and fatherhood in particular, I think, just so that we can get an understanding of how he feels towards us. Um, You know, people have said to me, when you become a granddad, that the good thing is you don't have to give them back. And I I think that's the worst part, that you have to give them back, you know. Um, uh, Sorry, the worst part is that you – oh, you know what I'm trying to say – The best part is that you can get to give them back. I think that's the worst part because I hate giving them back. I fake cry when they go. I say, don't leave Papa, don't leave Papa. And they say to me, Papa will come back tomorrow. They're trying to console me. Um, But, you know, I think that, um, you know, our dad in heaven has just got a very soppy heart towards us you know, more than than we ever believe. A number of years ago, I got a bit of an insight, I think, into uh, what our father's heart is like. When I remembered back to something that happened to me when I was a child, I was about six years old and my little sister was born in the local Rangiora Maternity Hospital. My dad said to me, I want you to come straight out of the classroom. Uh, After school, I'm going to take you to meet your new little sister, Mary. So don't dawdle, you know, don't get lost, you know, come straight out. So anyway, after school, I don't quite know what happened, but I can't have been quite as fast as I ought to have been, and I came out, and the kids said, Mac, that's what they call me, Mac, your dad's looking for you. And I thought, oh, blow, I've missed him. Dad's going to be so cross. So I sort of looked around everywhere, and all the kids were saying, hey, Mac, your dad's looking for you. I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm in big trouble now. So I started walking down the street towards home, and as I was going, all the kids were yelling out. So dad was obviously on a big search for me, Mac your dad's looking for you so I thought oh my goodness I'm in big trouble now I thought I'm not going to go home this is a six-year-old thinking I'm just going to go straight to the maternity hospital and what I'm going to do I'm going to go the quickest way I know how which is through the paddocks down through a ditch that they called lover's lane not quite sure why and uh, across fields and all that sort of thing I thought I'll go cross-country and I'll get there as fast as I can so so as I was walking uh, there everywhere, kids were saying, Mac, your dad's looking for you. Mac, your dad's looking for you. I say, thank you. Got that message. And finally, I arrived at the hospital, and there was my mum, and she was beside herself with anxiety. She said, oh, thank God that you are right. Oh, well, we didn't have cell phones in those days. I'll have to ring dad, and dad was waiting at home, and, and he was very upset, and he came. I thought I'd be in big trouble, but I wasn't. He just gave me a wonderful hug and said, "I'm just so pleased that 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 you're um, that you're safe." And I look back on that, and I just think that is the heart of our Father. And you know, Jesus revealed to us so much about the Father, heart of God. Uh, you know, he he revealed to us that that God is just not this angry. Personality in the sky that's wanting to zap us and wanting to punish us and and wanting to correct us. He has got a father heart, and in one space in, in Luke chapter fifteen, Jesus um, <clears throat> tells three stories back to back that all have the same sort of theme. He tells first of all the story of a lost sheep. Had 99, uh, had 100 sheep had had ninety nine, had a hundred sheep one goes missing. And instead of just waiting with the, 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 the 99, the shepherd goes and looks for the lost one and finds it and comes back rejoicing. A woman has 10 coins. She loses one. Instead of just being happy with the nine, she goes and looks for the lost one and then comes back and celebrates that it's found. And then the final story is about a dad who loses a son. Son goes off, rebels, and then comes back. And there's great rejoicing. And all three of the songs, uh, the um, parables have the same theme. Something very precious is lost. There is a search that goes on, and then there is great rejoicing that happens when the precious thing is found. You know, it's, it's really funny because at the beginning of Luke 15... the the disciples were mumbling about the fact that Jesus hung out with sinners and bad people and people that did things that were wrong. You know, the prostitutes and, and the drunkards and I guess the drug addicts and different people. Jesus was hanging out. He was friends with them. And the Pharisees and religious leaders, they were angry about it. And so that's why Jesus tells those three parables. Something precious is lost. A search goes on. And then there's rejoicing when those precious things are found. And I guess the denouement, the most wonderful story of all, is the story of the prodigal son, the third of those stories, where a boy says to his dad, Dad, I'm going to go. I want to take my inheritance. I'm getting out of here. And basically said, I don't want to be part of you. I want to just go away. I want to do my own thing. And so uh, for a Jewish person, he ended up in the lowest place he could be. He was feeding pigs or cleaning up after pigs, no worse thing that a, that a Jewish person can do. Of course, they can't eat um, bacon, they can't eat the products of a pig, but to be cleaning up after a pig is the lowest thing a Jewish person could do. Anyway, the Bible says he comes to his senses, he returns to uh, his home to look for mercy. And listen to the way that the father receives him, Luke 15:20. So the boy returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned both against heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. You know, I love this, that while the boy was still a long way off, his dad saw him. His dad saw him, and the reason for that is because his dad was looking for him. He was searching for that lost son. And you will have heard sermons about it before. The The dad did what was most undignified. He ran towards his son. Now, to do that in Jewish culture, uh, culture for for an older um, Jewish man would meant to lift up his robes, which was very undignified, and to race towards where his son was. And so he raced towards him, he grabbed him, the Bible says he embraced him and kissed him. Friends, what an incredible heart our father has towards all of us. You know, in another space where there's a real rat bag of a person Uh, that Jesus invites for lunch, and that's Zacchaeus. All the people can't believe that Jesus is talking to Zacchaeus, and and Jesus says he's going to eat at his house. And and nobody can believe it. And listen to what Jesus says uh, at the end of when Zacchaeus is so pleased. He declares his mission statement on earth, Luke 19, verse 10. Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That was his mission. He was on a search and rescue mission. Many years ago, uh, when my second son was about three years old and my oldest son was about five, we went shopping in the mall. And uh, I had my oldest son, my wife, I thought, had my younger son. <clears throat> and as we were wandering through, I looked around, and I didn't see Ben, who was about three years old. And I said, Honey, whereabouts is Ben? She said, Darling, you had Ben. And I said, No, darling, I didn't have Ben. You had Ben. And we sort of had this look. I'm sure you know what it's like. And then every movie that I've seen about kidnapped children came to mind. I think we'd seen Mel Gibson's Ransom or something like that. And I immediately had all these ideas what had happened to Ben. And I started acting like a crazy man. You know, I started racing around, calling out at the top of my voice in this quiet little Christchurch mall. Going into the the doors of shops and yelling out, Has anyone seen my son? He's blonde, he's about this high. And, you know, behaving in a totally opposite way that what I would normally do. I was frantic. I went up to a security guard. You'd think a security guard would help, wouldn't you? And I sort of said, Hey, I've lost my little son. Can you help me find him? And he said, Oh, just go to information. So he, he was no help. I could have had him, you know. He was no help whatsoever. And at that moment, there was nothing else on my mind except my missing son. You know, if my other son, Simon, had said, hey, Dad, can we go and watch a movie or can we go to McDonald's? And I said, no, of course we can't go to McDonald's. We're looking for Ben. Now, fortunately, about 20 minutes later, he turned up. He was in Kmart eating lollies. He was on the counter, and he was absolutely fine. But I felt as though the father said to me one day, that is my heart when I look for people who are lost. You know, our church in Christchurch, Grace Vineyard Church, has a mission statement, and our mission statement is to be disciples and to make disciples. And there's two aspects to that. One is worship, being a disciple, and the other one is mission. You know, God wants us to discover the Father's love, to come to know him deeply, to come closer and closer to him in all that we do and we are. And the second aspect is to make disciples, which is mission. That's actually going out and telling people, your dad's looking for you. Friends, that is the message of the gospel. There is a dad in heaven. He loves you passionately, whether you know him or not, whether you are close to him or not. And friends, the message of the gospel is, the good news of the gospel is, your dad is looking for you. And friends, if you know that in your heart, Part two of that is to go and tell people everywhere the good news. Your dad's looking for you. He wants you to come home. He wants you to come into relationship with him. No matter uh, what you've been into, no matter what your background is, God wants to come and bring you into relationship with him. You know, I believe that we can't go very far in our faith if we don't understand the Father heart of God. As I close, famous theologian J.I. Packer said this, If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his Father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, Everything that makes the old, sorry, the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God the Father. Friends, there is a wonderful dad in heaven, and we find him through coming into a relationship with Jesus. We can come into friendship with him, we can come to know him deeply, and then he gives us this mission to do, which is to go into all the world and tell other people, your dad's looking for you. Let's stand. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit just to come and just fall upon us, Just move upon us today. Father, I pray that your spirit will just come here today powerfully. Lord, it's been a very short and simple message today, but this message is for some people here today. Some of us haven't had good dads. Some of us have missed out in different ways or Maybe we have been Christians for a long time, but have never come to know you as Father, known you intimately. And I pray today that you'll just do a work in every one of our hearts. Lord, when we know you as Father, it brings healing to us. Heals every part of us. It gives us the best self-esteem that we can, that God the Father would love us so much that He would be on a search just for us, that he would send his son Jesus to die on a cross for us so that we could experience intimacy, relationship with him. So come today. Just wanted to give an opportunity, just while you've got your heads bowed, I'm sure there are people here today who've never made a decision to follow Jesus before. And I'd love to give you the opportunity today to do that. Maybe you've never invited him to come into your heart, or maybe you've done it a long time ago, but you've drifted away in your heart. And I just want to invite you today as your day. Because there is a dad in heaven that is looking for you. And he is looking frantically because you are precious to him. And you know, when I was 20, I made a decision to allow the Holy Spirit to come into my heart and it changed the whole course of my life. When I discovered the love and the presence of God the Father, it changed me forever. And I know that God wants to do that with some of you here today. And I just wondered, I'm not going to invite you to come to the front, but if, while people's heads are bowed, I'm just wondering, is there anyone that would like to say yes to Jesus and just invite him to come into your hearts? Would you just lift your hand so I can see it and then you can just put it down again if you would like to open your heart to him today and say yes to him. Or if you feel that you have drifted away from him, And you've maybe made a decision in the past but you're not feeling close to him now and you'd like to be close once again. Would you lift your hand and I'd love to be able to pray for you today. Thank you, Lord. Just come and move here today. Move on people's hearts, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'd love to um, just invite anyone else who is under 25, if you would like to just experience the presence of God, why don't you just come forward now because God is moving and he's doing stuff. If you'd like to experience God's power and you're under 25, come here and I'd love to just pray for you. Anyone else want to come? Let's pray for some of the young people. God's moving here today. Who's going to have courage to come? God comes to those who uh, uh, want him. I'm just going to pray and just invite others to come. Thank you, Lord. Let your presence come, Lord. Sorry, I'm just trying to be led by what the Holy Spirit's saying here today. So just a couple more minutes, um, and then we're done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Do you know, this is a little bit naughty doing this, but... If you see a young person around you, would you like to just lay a hand on their shoulder and just pray for them today? Just look for a young person and let's just pray for them, okay? Especially thinking of people under 25. Let's just pray for our young people today. I had no foreknowledge of this happening, but I just really feel this is what God's wanting to do. So just find somebody under 25 And let's just pray for them. Father, we release your spirit today on our young people, Lord Jesus. We release your spirit. Lord, I pray that today would be the turning of a page, Lord. And I pray that you will just rise up uh, by the power of your spirit within within young people today, that that, uh, you would rise up courage, Lord Jesus, and that they would encounter you today. Let people encounter you in a powerful way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Let your presence come. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as we lay our hands on the young people in this congregation today, we just pray, Lord, that you would just um, release over them everything that uh, that you have the, and for them in their destiny, Lord Jesus. Let the power of God, let the love of the Father be released upon them today. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you all praise and all glory. Amen.